welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I was... I was saying to the other folk that were here earlier um, that it's okay to say Merry Christmas, I'll, even though for us it's Christmas Eve. If we were Jewish, okay, it would have been Christmas five hours ago when sunset. <laughs> so anyway, Merry Christmas. Uh, a couple of, of hopefully brief remarks. Um, I tend to ramble on. Yeah, really. You know, the, be the, the best thing that I heard was when the DS was here. She was watching the clock and she says, it's a good thing it's, it's football Sunday because it looks like we're going into double overtime. <laughs> um. Anyway, um, about the evening, okay, a couple things will be different from our usual practice. Uh, we usually do uh, cups and pieces of bread. Um, tonight, we're going to do a loaf and a chalice, okay? We'll be doing communion by intention, okay? And that means you rip off a piece of bread, Dip it in the cup. Okay? The other thing is, okay, Kim, does Presley have any trouble with the dark? Good. Because we had real young ones for the early service. And I want to warn you all, part of this service will get very dark. Okay? So if you have problems that way, Okay, there are people here who will take care of you. You will be safe. And no one will make fun of you either. Um, the day has been a marvelous day in so many ways. Thank you for being here. Thank each of you for being here. Okay. One of the reasons for this service is because I am traditionalist enough that I insist on being in church when Christmas Day arrives. So I never know how many people are going to share that. Okay. I've shared it with three before. I'm so glad you're here. As we go through the service, okay, this will be a communion service. And um, do I dare say that we do things a little differently here? Okay, I won't then. Okay. Um, let's put it this way. We hope that the way we do things do not make for unwelcome surprises, okay? One of, them, one of them is the preacher talks constantly. And sometimes you can't tell the difference between when he's just talking and when he's preaching. Um, when we finish with communion, 
or excuse me, just before we start communion, we'll be doing the Christmas story. This is a particular version of the Christmas story. It's the version that appears in Luke. Okay, this is the only time you'll hear mention of the wise men. This will be about the night the community of faith remembers Jesus was born. Now, much to your glee, I'm going to shut up. And I'm going to start. Welcome. If you would join me, stand if you're able to do the call to worship. Christmas is coming. coming. God God has has come come to be be with us. us. That That is one of the meanings of this day. Oh, that we may shake off the burden of darkness and make room for the light of the world. And if you would join me with our first hymn, number 240, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now, I'm going to do a commercial real quick. Okay? This Christmas carol was written by Charles Wesley, one of the two founders of Methodism. We're starting Methodist. I hope we'll end Methodist. I'm done.
while you're standing, if you will, share the peace, give someone a greeting of some kind. It's okay to say Merry Christmas. Doing double duty, girl. Woo. Triple, actually. Just fit. Oh, okay. Okay. Is is that is is that a key to turning on the hyperactivity? <laughs> you know you notice who he's blaming. One of the things about the United Methodist Church is that we have open communion. That means everybody starts off as equal. It means everybody starts off the same. And people have said, Mike, how can you say that? How can you do that? And it's because we believe in a God who forgives. And if we ask God to forgive, God does it. What we will do next is a prayer for receiving Christ, a form of confession, There'll be moments for silent confession. I'll share words of assurance. During the words of assurance, one of the things that we do here is we take a moment to forgive ourselves and the people around us. Think about the last time you forgave somebody. That's one of the things we hope to do tonight. Most of the trouble we have at Christmas time is who we don't forgive, including ourselves. Would you join me in the prayer for receiving Christ? God of grace, during this season, you gave Jesus to be our Savior. We ask you to help us welcome Jesus as your own dear son. Enable us to accept his joyous gospel. It's the good news that was born in Bethlehem, where deity was cradled in a mother's arms and laid to sleep in a manger. Forgive our lostness in the swirl of our lives. Let us see and understand what is happening at Christmas. Help us know that your divine wisdom, your word, became flesh. Make us know that you are bridging the abyss between you and us, between us and each other. Let us learn of Jesus, who as an adult walked among the people, healing, preaching, breaking new paths to truth, explaining life as it is, and incarnating hope for life as God intends it to be. 
we would join those who received him so long ago without reservation. We would receive Christ now in Christian love. Amen. Would you take a few moments for silent confession? Amen. I need help. Can you fix how that's laying in the back? Thank you. That's right. That you got it. One of the things that Christmas is about is God showing up here. And when God shows up, okay, he shows up in a form that nobody expects. Nobody expected the king of the universe to show up like one of us. When he came, he brought a simple message that we make altogether too complicated. Essentially what Jesus told people is, God sent me to tell you how much he loves you. He wants you to know that he misses you. He wants you to come home. Here are the keys to dad's house. You can go home anytime. When we all get there, dad's going to throw an outrageous party. Don't come alone. Bring others with you. We forget that that's the core message Jesus brought. None of us are perfect. Obviously, I'm not. I've made my display really quite public in the last few minutes. <laughs> but none of us is perfect. I've met some people who thought they were. They were mistaken. Um, but none of us is perfect. And so all of us has unfinished business that we have to deal with. All of us have those places where we either need to forgive ourselves, speak forgiveness to others, or let ourselves be forgiven. One of the things that we believe is if we ask God for forgiveness, we are forgiven. 
All we have to do is accept it. In the name of our Lord, you are forgiven. Thank you. Those are the people that come here regularly. I generally wait until they forgive me. I'm waiting. (laughs) Thank you. Now, turn to the person closest to you and say these words. You are forgiven. Don't look at me. (laughs) When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you did it for yourself? When was the last time you did it for somebody else? What we're about is completing a plan. We're about fulfilling a dream. The dream is the kingdom of God. And Jesus taught us the prayer to invite God to bring his kingdom into existence. Would you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please join me for our Christmas affirmation of faith. We believe God came into the world as a new life. He came as a baby who was destined to bring light and love to our lives. We believe that our salvation has come from something small, tender, and vulnerable. It comes from something hardly noticeable. It comes from an infant born in a Bethlehem stable. We know that few people witnessed and fewer understood this extraordinary event. The Word was made flesh and dwells with us. We believe that the small baby of Bethlehem grew to be the carpenter of Nazareth. He was the rejected preacher. He was the naked man on the cross. Finally, he is the risen Lord who was nailed, pieced hands. He has flung open the doors of the kingdom of God so that we can enter in and know the blessings that wait there. Amen. And if you could stand for the Gloria.
Thank you. You may be seated. As I've already mentioned, communion tonight will be by intention. And there's not tons of us, but let's be polite to each other. If you'd come by the middle aisle and return by the side aisles, that would be good. Okay? We rarely put it this way. The events that we remember tonight end with the symbols that remind us of how it ended. We generally don't consider the the whole road. The little one in the manger became the one who took the bread and broke it and said, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he said, drink all of it. This is my blood of the new covenant because of what I'm about to do the whole relationship between God and all humanity is going to change. There are things that we forget. That night was supposed to be a party. It was supposed to be a Seder meal. The celebration of the exodus from Egypt. Jesus took the bread and did something the people around the table with him couldn't understand. When he said, this is my body. For a Jewish person, that meant that the bread immediately became unclean. Then Jesus took the cup and he said, this is my blood. And immediately, what was in the cup became unclean. What is this guy getting us into? What is he going to do? The people around the table that night had no idea. We have a much better idea now. Okay? What he was doing that night was he was saying, amongst other things, this isn't simple. This isn't just ritual. It's not just doctrine and theology. Okay? It's about relationship. What Jesus was saying is, I want you to become me. I want you to go into all the world and fulfill the gospel to every living creature. So when we come to Christmas, okay, do we recognize the hope? When we come to the table, do we recognize our responsibility to ourselves and to each other? Jesus did what resulted from that night 
at the table, okay, practically, in concrete ways, what he told his disciples to do. Love one another. I will go as far as it takes to love you. You ever wonder why Jesus didn't open his mouth at his trial? Because he knew if he mentioned one name of one person around him, they would suffer too. There's a practical edge to this that we forget. Yes, there's a lot of doctrine and theology. But the challenge is, how far will we go to show our love? Let us pray. Blessed Jesus, you've already consecrated the bread and the cup beyond anything we can do. Renew your blessing. And oh Lord, help us to receive your blessing. And somehow become you continuing your work in this dark world. You would relight the candle that is the image of God in us. The main question is, will we cover the candle? Cover that lamp within us with a bushel? Or will we let it out where other people can see it? and have their lives brightened by what they see, experience through us. Oh Lord, bless us as we receive these gifts from you. Hear our prayer. Amen. Would you come?
would like to focus our attention on the Christmas story. Amongst the things that's important to know is that the events that we call Christmas were seen by a visionary centuries before they happened. The visionary, the prophet Isaiah, didn't know all the details. What he knew was that God was going to work. I'll be reading from Isaiah 42. Isaiah was writing at a time when the city of Jerusalem was being smashed to the ground. The end effect was like a nuclear bomb dropped. Except they took the city apart one brick at a time. Oh, we'll do those three today, that one tomorrow. Next Tuesday, we'll get those. And then they partied in between. The people inside the city walls were isolated. They knew no help was coming. They were starving. It got so bad that parents started eating their children. It's in this setting that the prophet Isaiah spoke these words. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. A dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth. And the coastlands wait for his teaching. Continuing to verse 10. Thus says the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and the spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you to righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, 
a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass. New things I now declare. Before they start, I declare them to you. Typically, Methodists stand every time they sing. But for 211, just sing loud. Go for it.
Thank you, beautifully sung. Now we're going to go to Luke. Luke, the second chapter. There went in those days a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. It was the first registration and was taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own hometowns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David, he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them at the end. You can remain seated. 217. Continuing the Christmas story. From the second chapter of Luke. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. 
Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in rags, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which God has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. And when they saw this, they made known what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. 238, I'm going to ask you to stand because you can't sing this song right, sitting down.
Thank you. You may be seated. Don't look at the bulletin. We skipped part. We, all right, we did it in different order. Okay, we're moving to the light of the world. Now, before I forget, on the bottom of your candle is a switch. Okay, find it. Okay, good. Remember where it is because you're going to have to find it in the dark. Christmas challenges us in ever so many ways. Christmas can be such an ordeal. I've talked with people, listened to people. For some of them, Christmas is not good. There's too much hurt. There's too much pain. There's too much to remember. What are we going to do with it? What meanings will we give it? Christians have wrestled with the meanings of what we call Christmas almost since the time of Jesus. Did you know that here in the United States there was a time when Christmas was considered a pagan holiday in some areas and you would go to jail for celebrating it? Hmm. What are we going to do with Christmas? Christmas came into being as the community of faith struggled to answer the question, whoever can this man be? The testimony of the community in Scripture tells us in the Gospel of Mark that that question was first asked in a boat. Jesus was with those closest to him, going across. It's called the Sea of Galilee, but it's, it's smaller than Lake St. Clair. Um, that they were going across the Sea of Galilee. A storm came up. They were afraid that they were going to drown. Jesus was exhausted. There's no telling how many days straight he'd been teaching. They woke him up. And Jesus was more than a little upset. Not because of the storm. He asked them, where is your faith? What happened to it? And then he spoke to the wind and the waves. The wind died down. The waves disappeared. I'd love to be able to say that the disciples in the boat responded to this by saying, Whoa, cool. 
But the, remem- the memory of the community of faith is, who is this guy that he can do this stuff? Normal answers simply did not ring true enough. Some answers still don't ring true enough. Whoever can this man be? Jesus was so different that the community of faith found itself going back to the very beginnings of everything, to the very roots of its faith, to its notions of God and creation, to understand who Jesus is and where Jesus fits in the scheme of everything that is. In the beginning, I think you know where that verse comes from, okay? In the beginning, God, in profound wisdom, created the cosmos and formed the earth. The witness in the book of Genesis says repeatedly, God created, he created animate things and inanimate things, plants, animals, cold-blooded, warm-blooded. And every time he created, he looked at it and said, This is all right. This is good. At the end of the beginning, God saw all that was made, and behold, it was very good. Did you ever do something and wonder how it was going to turn out? And it turned out way better than you thought it was going to? I think that's what God experienced when he was done with creation. This turned out way better than I thought it would. God created humankind, and that includes you and me, from the very stuff of which the earth is made. We are made of the dust, the smallest bits and pieces just lying around. It's amazing what makes up that that dust. You know that we're made up of particles of stars? We're made up of atoms from the ocean millennia ago. Actually, we're pretty cool. The basic stuff that we are made of means that we are intimately and inextricably connected to the earth. God made people to conserve this very good creation, our home, the planet Earth. We are made to tend to God's garden. What we do to the earth and to creation, we do to ourselves. When we care for the earth and for creation, we care for ourselves. When we abuse or diminish the earth and creation, we abuse and diminish ourselves. This isn't about going green. Okay, I got this from one of the most conservative men I know, my mother's father. (laughs) And Charlie basically wrapped up what I just read by saying, Mike, you take care of the garden, 
and the garden will take care of you. I was the one who got to hoe the weeds. At the beginning, the world was full of the light. And God put a special spark, a divine fire within human beings, in every one of us that we call the image of God. The light, the world, flooded life, love, peace, truth, and beauty. Then the world was Eden, a paradise that knew no suffering, no violence, no poison, no death, no evil of any kind. All was as it should be. It was still the way when God looked at it. I think he said, this is cool. However, God made humankind free. And some argue that God made a mistake by doing that. Why? Because we have used our freedom to pollute the land, as the prophet put it, both physically and spiritually. In our freedom, we have abused and diminished the earth and creation with our technology and industry. It's all been done with good intentions. It's been done to make life better. But the trail of industry and technology is not really good. And some of our own personal trails, with all our good intentions, have not been very good. We have brought the darkness of hate, greed, jealousy, and violence into the world. We have marred what God made very good. We try to blame God for the way things are, but it's not God's fault. We did it to ourselves. We did it to each other. God didn't plan this mess we made. Rather than tending and protecting the garden, we've become the weeds and the disease that infest and infect it. In Paul's letter to the Philippians, he says, all God's creation is hurt and groans in pain. It is plain to anyone with eyes to see that at the present time, all created life groans in a sort of universal travail. The agony of childbirth. Throughout human history, the light of love, peace, and truth has been extinguished. There came more and more moments of desperation, despair, and darkness. Finally, things became so bad that one who could see, one who could hear, wrote, Listen, heavens, hear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have reared children and brought them up, but they've rebelled against me. 
They are a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. Why should I beat you anymore? Why do you persist in rebelling? And finally, God warned in the words of the prophet Micah. Therefore, night will come over you. There won't be any more visions. There will be darkness. There won't be any divination. The sun will set for the prophets, and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. So it became as though the light had never been. God saw the darkness where once there had been light. God had asked humanity, why should you be beaten anymore? Was it an expression of divine impatience? Or was it a sign of divine despair? The amazing thing is that God decided to give humankind one last chance. For God so loved the world, the ultimate cataclysm was delayed. Instead of the expected rolling up and throwing away of the tattered old coat that creation has become, God put on a brilliant disguise to live among us and to rekindle the light of God's own image in us. A child was born in a stable some 2,000 years ago. That child, Jesus, was somehow God. A glowing ember of the divine. And as the child grew, the ember burst into a flame a flame of love and peace and truth. Jesus went around doing good, and in the good that he did, he rekindled the flame of love, peace, and truth in each one he touched. A fisherman, a physician, a tax collector, a revolutionary, a prostitute, a housewife, and many, many more. A man born blind received his sight, a mother had her daughter, once dead, returned to her arms alive. And in another place, five loaves and two small fish, given by a kid who was sharing his lunch, fed thousands, giving each person a taste of the feast to come in God's blessed kingdom. Everywhere he went, Jesus was the light in the darkness. Everywhere he went, Jesus focused on doing good. When people of power tried to snuff out Jesus' light through the crucifixion, God, through the resurrection, guaranteed the light of love, peace, and truth would continue. Even when those closest to Jesus went into hiding. The risen Christ came to their secret place. He assured them, saying, Peace be with you. 
And then he showed him his hands. Then he showed him his side, where he'd been busted open. Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. That was what Jesus said to one who had problems believing. Stop doubting and believe. And even when those closest to Jesus returned to their fishing nets, the risen one came to the seashore to once again rekindle the flame and to challenge them to, divine, to spread the divine fire, to love and to forgive, to feed the lambs. The fire spread from the apostles to their disciples to those we know as the church father, to those who faced the lions, who were torn limb from limb, who were burned at the stake and died as martyrs, to the great people of the Christian faith, some whom we know and many whom we don't, who lived as light in the darkness in every time and in every place, loving, forgiving, feeding the lambs. Finally, it's down to you and me. Let us be done with lesser things and stand against the darkness. One light cannot defeat the dark. However, our lights together, if we don't hide them under a bushel, can once again start filling this world with light. Now be God's children, blameless, sincere, and wholesome, living in a warped and diseased world and shining there like lights in a dark place. For you hold in your hands the very words of life. The question is, will you share them? Be the light. Be the light. Be the light. Be the light. The question for us all is now what will we do? We're going to hold them down low. We're going to hold them up. I can see your faces now. The darkness isn't that dark anymore. I can see who Jesus has sent me to love 
feed and nurture. Jesus has sent you too. What will we do with our light? Our benediction is coral. It is the carol, Silent Night. And we'll sing as many verses as you remember. Okay? Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child, so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace sleep in heavenly peace and now by our clocks it is Christmas Merry Christmas to you Merry Christmas would like to ask that you Turn your lights off before you leave and leave them on the table at the door. I will try to remember to do the same. Have a, just have a wonderful Christmas. Okay. Hey. Dinner tomorrow is at 2 o'clock at Riverside. There's already 15 coming. Oh. Once again, thank you all for being here. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year.